Good evening, Randolph Street family. Good to have you join with us this evening for our third in the series of uh, interviews with our members. We so have enjoyed uh, our time with Carlotta and then last week with uh, Mike Allen talking about his role in the military. It's been a really good time. Looking forward to these two brothers. This is Andrew Dockery and Denny Dispinette, uh, two men in our church that are part of our leadership team. Denny serves as one of our deacons and has been a deacon for how long, Denny? Three, four years? Good question. Something like that, four or five years maybe. Okay. And Andrew came on uh, in 2020, caused all the problems, didn't you? So things kind of closed down after he came on. That's right. Uh, these, uh, you served as a deacon for a couple of years, three years maybe? I think pretty much right around the same time Denny. Okay, very good. Another interesting thing that I thought of coming uh, in was both of these gentlemen were married uh, up in the chapel area. Denny and Rachel were married in 2012. Uh, Andrew and Maggie were married in 2011, and both of them were married upstairs. I, I know for a lot of our older people in the church, many of them also were married in the old auditorium or the chapel, and so they share that with uh, both of you guys. All right, I want to start with uh, Denny. Tell us a little bit about your family, and um, most everybody will know your wife, at least if they have children anyway, little babies. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, my wife's name is Rachel uh, Dispinette. She, uh, you probably know her. She runs the nursery. We have three kids uh, together, uh, Adam, who's five, uh, Luke, who is three, and Gwen, who is 10 months old. Um, Make sure we you speak loud. We were married uh, in 2012 here, and, and immediately after, we, we lived here in Charleston, and we joined the church, uh, Randolph Street, and we've been members since then, and like Tim said, a deacon for a few years now, my wife, you know, she coordinates and facilitates all the nursery um, scheduling and, and just running that, so you probably have uh, talked to her many times. And Where do you work, Danny? Um, I work at an engineering company in Charleston called TRC. Uh, basically, I design and analyze bridges, uh, mostly for the highway department here um, and, and other places as well. Very good. How about you, Andrew? Tell us a little bit about your family. Sure. Just thinking about it, I think Denny and I have a lot of parallels with our, our kids. Um, my wife, Maggie, uh, like you said, we've been married uh, coming on 10 years in July. Uh, we have three kids, two boys and a girl. So our oldest, Jack, is five years old. Uh, our, our next son, Will, is three years old. Uh, and Emily, our, our daughters just turned one about a couple weeks ago, so uh, we're, we're very parallel with our kids. Yeah, it really is. I never thought about that. Two boys and a girl, the yeah, whole deal there. <laughs> Must be something about the chapel. Something so. like that. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Very good. Where you work? I work at uh, TC Energy. Um, it has been known TransCanada or Columbia Gas in the past, but uh, I work kind of in our uh, I'm a business analyst working with uh, some capital projects uh, for TC Energy. Very, very good. Now, you grew up in Arkansas, is that correct? You had some time in Florida, but primarily in Arkansas? That's right. I grew up in uh, northeast Arkansas. Um, my mom, my grandma, my uncles, they, they all still live there, of course. Uh, I went to college in northeast Arkansas as well and went to more college in West Virginia, and that's sort of when I moved here uh, and met uh, my wife, my now wife, Rachel. We, we got married right after we both graduated from WG. Um, she from pharmacy school, me from engineering school, and, and we uh, moved here to Charleston. My wife. 
many people know her sisters and uh, the rest some of our family. Yeah, well, very good. And you've been a West Virginia boy most of your life, I think. That's right. Actually, just like you, I was born in, born in Parkersburg, yeah. West Virginia. I uh, grew up in Princeton. Um, I went to, to school at Marshall University. That's where I met my wife, Maggie. Uh, and then soon after we both graduated, uh, we moved here to Charleston for work. And uh, she's, she's from here originally, from St. Albans. I know a lot of people know uh, her brother and then her parents, uh, Steve and Cindy Stone Street and, and Andrew Stone Street. Of course, yeah. with their, their kids as well. Very good. Now, anyone who knows Andrew very well knows that uh, he's an Alabama guy. Tell us how you got the uh, Alabama loyalties. Sure. Um, so my parents, uh, they, they are, they're both from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where the University of Alabama is. Uh, they, they met there. Uh, my, my, I guess my maternal grandfather uh, was the pastor of a church my paternal grandparents uh, were, my maternal grandparents were Southern Baptist missionaries to Brazil. Oh. Uh, and on furlough, they, they took a church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, where my, my dad and his family were, uh. were members. So my, my dad and my mom kind of met uh, during their time there. And of course, um, went to college together, went to seminary together, um, and made yeah. their way to West Virginia through a few different uh, callings. Amen. Well, that's interesting. I knew that it was your, through your dad that you were an Alabama guy because he was born there, but I didn't know the tie-in with uh, missionaries. So you have, uh, you come from quite a long line of people who have been committed to vocational ministry as missionaries. Uh, your dad was a pastor all of your days, I'm sure. Uh, I got to know David real well, just a, a godly man. I loved your dad, appreciated him. He was so good to come up here for the men's uh, prayer breakfasts and all that to hang out with the boys and hang out with you too of course but primarily Jack and Will uh, pastored down at the Baptist Church down in Princeton and part of the story will unfold as you uh, speak here in just a little bit didn't he tell us how uh, such a good message this morning dealing with regeneration God's kind grace in our lives and bringing us to himself Tell us a little bit about when that happened in your life and kind of the trajectory of what God used in your life to really help you grow. Okay, so a little quick history. I mean, growing up in my family, um, we always valued uh, Jesus and, and God, and I learned a lot about God growing up from my mom and from my grandmother and my great-grandmother, too, who spent a lot of time with me. Mm. She worked in the church uh, and that we, we went to, and spent a lot of summers with her when I was out of school just working in the kitchen and you know, there was a daycare in the church and uh, so speaking a lot of truth and praying over me just a lot and um, just growing up you know around middle school years professed Christ um, read my Bible quite a bit but really didn't live out a Christian life for many years after that and um, you know really wasn't wouldn't say I was a Christian then um, and then coming to college Arkansas, in Arkansas, uh, right, right around the end of that, I had just been through through friends who were uh, taking me to church and, and giving me books to read, had started to read again um, and, and read the scripture again, and, and it was probably really at that point is when God uh, would re regenerated mm. uh, me and brought me back to life and, and gave me a real understanding of his grace, uh, my sin, his grace. Mm. And, and, and then it's when at that point that I began to grow as a Christian, really, and, and be a Christian. 
so moving to West Virginia really helped just jumpstart that growth, I think, just having to sort of in a new place with a new friend and a new life. And uh, I, I joined a church there and a campus ministry, uh, new friends, and, and just continue to uh, read the scriptures, uh, be a part of a church, and was poured into by the, the pastors and the friends there that I had. And um, God used them to you know, show me uh, who he was and uh, who he is to me. And basically, they brought me a wife, and, and then coming here, I continued to grow in Christ through the church and through the scripture. And, um, but yeah, that's it. Amen. Now, I remember um, in your case, I think BCM, is that the. I remember had such a tremendous impact in your life. Matter of fact, it was that pastor that did your uh, marriage to Rachel. So I remember meeting you in the beginning and just how you spoke very fondly of those men and the, and the uh, role that they had in your life. What do you sense just as a, as a man growing, walking with the Lord, you have children, you're very busy, um, are there a couple things that you could share with our men that would say these have been things that have helped me grow in Christ? Uh, I enjoy reading. Um, so, of course, obviously number one is this is God's word and uh, it's spiritual food for the soul and to neglect it is to neglect your own body and your own life. Mm. So I try to take in scripture every day and, you know, number one I believe uh, just joining a I mean this is obvious if you're watching this you're part of a church but joining a church mm -hmm. um, investing in the church like getting involved not just showing up of course um, but I enjoy books so I, I read reading a lot of authors like John Piper and, and uh, things like that um, have helped me to grow a lot in my understanding of just understanding scripture and applying it in different ways and seeing it in different light Amen. Good. Well, Andrew, you have the advantage because I'm asking him first. You have a chance to be thinking over here. I can hear the wheels turn a little bit. Uh, tell us about God's work in your life as a young man growing up and how you came to Christ. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of similarities in my story in, in listening to Denny there, so I appreciate that. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, I grew up in the church. Uh, my, my dad was a pastor of a church, um, so uh, I, would, I would say I professed Christ at a young age, um, but then over time, not necessarily uh, fully understanding maybe uh, mm -hmm. what, what that meant. Um, and then and similar to Denny, kind of once I went to college um, through a, a campus ministry there and then some others, other men pouring in my life, just kind of realizing the weight of my sin um, and, and understanding, you know, um, I, I was lost uh, until Christ came into my life uh, and it wasn't necessarily uh, an aisle that you walk or a decision that you make uh, before that. And, and again, as we mentioned before, I, you know, the, the sermon from this morning was, was a great reminder of that. Uh, just, you know, God's um, active role in regenerating our lives. Um, so that was, that was really important. But um, like, similar to Denny, I uh, you know, had a lot of same experiences. Um, just uh, like a lot of uh, men and pastors that I respected growing up um, poured into my life in that college aspect. And then, again, moving here um, after college, uh, it was really important to be involved, you know, in, in more of a reformed church, uh, and, and especially at that time in my life, um, it was really something I, I needed and, and uh, benefited from. Mm. Amen. 
Um, and we're very thankful to have both of you here. I'll ask you the, the same question I asked Denny. What are some of the things that you could share with the men in our church, anyone really listening this evening, that you feel have been a benefit to you in your growing with the Lord? Absolutely. Again, I don't want to echo everything Jenny said, but I mean, being involved in the church, you know, obviously uh, the word um, is first and foremost, but being involved, um, you know, I, I've grown immensely through um, small groups um, mm. that we've had over time, uh, even, you know, discipleship group um, sitting under you, under your teaching, um, just being, um, opening yourself up, and, you know, for me, some of that's like outside of my comfort zone, mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, I guess opening yourself up uh, to to have others pour into you, and, and you know, part of that is, you know, we're called as Christians uh, to make disciples, so um, one, to kind of sit under and, and be a disciple, but also to uh, to look to others to, that you can be discipling, so I know, I mean, I, I know personally I've benefited that through my own faith, um, and I think that's that's something very important to, to help yourself grow. Well. Amen. Very good. Thank you. Well, as Pastor Jason mentioned this morning during our gathering, guys, picture room, uh, I thought, man, that was quite the touch there. We've never done that before, so I don't know if that scared people away or brought them in, but that was a nice touch that Pastor Jason did this morning with that. But he mentioned that these two gentlemen have faced some challenging times. That was one of the reasons we identified them when we were thinking about who we would have involved in this ministry. Uh, Denny uh, went through some physical challenges, Andrew through the loss of a parent in a very difficult situation, and so I'm going to start with uh, Denny here, so I'll let you give some further thought to that. Denny, take just a little bit of time. Some of our people will know this story, but there will be some who will not be familiar, but even those who are familiar, I'm sure, have lost some of the details in their minds, so kind of walk us through the journey and what happened to you uh, with your eye well about uh, on, on a couple of years ago it was July 3rd uh, 2019 uh, I was just uh, going about my day I was at work and I uh, just noticed I had a little blurry spot in my vision so you know just kind of a weird thing I didn't think too much about it but as I went home and had dinner and just kept seeing that and I, I wear contacts so I took them out put my glasses on still there, mentioned it to my wife, and, you know, she, you know, being a good, loving wife, uh, more concerned than I was, um, so, and thankfully, she continued to persist in research, and uh, eventually, uh, she convinced me, and, and rightly so, very much so, and, and I went to the doctor July 5th, and uh, they, the eye doctor looked in my eye, and I'm having a retina detachment, so, basically the back of my eye, back of everyone's eye, that is a retina. Um, it was starting to detach from the back of my eye, uh, which is a very serious uh, condition, and you, you're losing your vision, basically. And But it's very correctable, so they sent me to emergency surgery uh, right here in Charleston, uh, where basically they take a laser, they put you to sleep, um, take a laser, put it, you know, laser the back of your eye, essentially welding the retina back onto the back of your eye, um, and they also do a couple other things in your eye. I don't know how much I'll, how far to go in, but essentially your eye, the eyes fill with the clear gel-like liquid, and he kind of uh, chops that up so it won't detach anymore, um, replaces it with a gas bubble. And then he also looked at my left eye, and it had a couple thin spots too, so he did some prophylactic welding on there, but not as invasive, so not as much 
really went on there. Uh, but, even, but the big part of the surgery was the recovery. So in order for the eye to heal, I have to look down at the ground, <laughs> straight down for 45 minutes out of every hour for two weeks. I can't lay on my back. Um, I could lay on my left side because the tear was more on this side. So that helps the, hold the retina on. The gas bubble floats up, holds the retina on while scar tissue forms, and that, the scar tissue is the more permanent uh, fixing of the, the, the retina, essentially. Mm. Uh, so I went through that for two weeks, and that was really hard because also, not only do I have to look down, but I was not allowed to read, uh, work, strain in any way, lift anything, of course, because I can't lift my kids. Um, I was allowed to watch TV, though, which is interesting. So I could watch, like, a movie. I'm not <laughs> Straight um, down. Straight huh? down. <laughs> and so that was tough, of course. Um, but two weeks later, it was um, – that's when I – let's see. I'm trying to remember the timeline exactly because even I – even it's tough for me. But so I think there were, a month went by eventually, and I had another appointment. And, and it, it's not healing well, essentially. The, it's tearing more. I'm making too much scar tissue, causing the retina to tear more. Uh, I need another surgery. Same thing, basically, with a few changes to the surgery. So I went in a week later after that appointment. It's about five weeks now to another surgery. Same thing, welding the, the retina. But instead of a gas bubble, they do a silicon oil, just a different medium to hold the retina on while it heals. And they also put a scleral buckle around the eye that's sewn in. Uh, that's that's more of a permanent uh, attachment. Uh, essentially, I have to do four weeks now of looking down, same as before. So that was, so there's more, more of that, and that's the hard part. That's the recovery. Uh, but, but basically, at the end of those four weeks, um, oh, when he did the surgery, he noticed the surgeon noticed that the, the, the tear was it was worse than he thought. So mm -hmm. at that point, I know I have 30 percent. I've lost 30 percent vision. Period. Uh, maybe I'll get the rest back. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. But at the end of the four weeks, it turned out I'm not getting any vision back. I made too much scar tissue. It, it just tore more and more. Uh, and that usually doesn't happen. Um, this is rare. It's like a 90%, 80% success rate usually for that mm -hmm. surgery. Uh, so that, that's sort of the, the history of what happened. Um, so um, just physically. What were, you know, in listening to your story, certainly it's not difficult to imagine some of the challenges that you'd walk through, you know, where you think, okay, I'm going to get pretty much all my sight back if I can just endure these two weeks. And I remember walking through some of that with you, praying with you, and there's that anticipation, okay, God's going to restore his sight. And then when that doesn't happen, what did you have as some of the challenges that went through your heart uh, as you were going through this process the first couple of weeks and then, you know, another surgery, kind of the bad news in the sense of very difficult things to think through, recognizing what my life might be like. Uh, what were some of the battles that you faced through? Um, yeah, so there was um, obviously the thought. I try to manage expectations, of course, so I'm hoping to get vision back, but I'm also trying to balance that with I might not get it back mm -hmm. so I'm trying to prepare myself and the surgeon I think does a good job that, that helps of not giving me too many false hopes mm -hmm. um, you know it's just you might lose your vision so so you start thinking about that and with the with the recovery being so difficult really just that was I really wanted that to end as mm -hmm. soon as possible because I couldn't do anything um, that was a bit my major struggle 
Um, but yeah, I think that your mind goes to pretty dark places. I mean, not dark, but when you don't have anything to do and you can't do anything, and you're all, it's all you think about. Uh, you know, you think about what if I was losing it both eyes. Although that wasn't a big concern, mm -hmm. but I mean, that's what you think about. Um, yeah, it is difficult, and I don't really probably have a great answer on how. To well, no, that's fine. I remember in praying for you. Um, I don't know whether you shared this or it was just kind of a natural thing that you would think about, but the discouragement that would set in. Did did you go through periods of time of discouragement, not necessarily, uh, you know, deep depression, but just where your spirit was depressed? If you did, how did you battle that? How how what did God do in your life to help you through that? Yeah. So, okay, so yeah, I definitely struggled, and then one of the big things just not being able to do anything and watching, uh, you know, just around the house. My wife take care of the kids and I literally can't help and uh, I just got tired of that I was just very mm -hmm. tired of looking down at the ground um, I mean I got to read it's it, on one hand it's nice to have a break from work <laughs> and to get to an excuse to listen to audiobooks and watch a movie uh, that's great for a while but it does get old very old very fast and I wanted to help her and I was lonely and just tired of doing that um, but I, some of the big things that, that the Lord used to, to help me is to stay you know, faithful and, and not lose, not get too depressed or, or lose lose hope completely. It's just the love of my wife. I think I would neglect to say this if I didn't write it down, but like my wife, I mean, she's very key in all this, and I tend to just take that for granted and forget mm -hmm. about that, but the way she loves me and serves me and helps me and, and guides my thoughts and keeps me grounded when I'm, mm -hmm. you know, could just, I mean, if I was alone, I, I mean, there's no telling what I would be thinking or, um, obviously the scripture, I've got to spend a lot of time just reminding myself uh, of God's word, and I think Tim, you shared a passage with me during that time in Psalm uh, 62, and mm -hmm. that was really helpful. I mean, just to rest in some of those classic promises of God that you know uh, He is with me and near to me in, in these times. Um, you know, Jesus's heart. I think of how He is gentle and lowly. Mm -hmm. You know, just His burden is easy. Um. A lot of the church people, the people from the church helped a lot. I mean, they came and visited with me and talked with me. I mean, that's helped. That was huge. There were so many people. I wish I could name them all, but I know there were so many. I would forget <laughs> some. People gave me audiobooks. That was really helpful. I had plenty to read um, that way. People brought meals. That was really helpful because my wife now has to do double duty. I mean, she does all the housework for these during this period and sometimes cares for me, too. So those were a lot of the ways that I think God used to, to keep me just grounded in yeah. a sense and not just to get untethered from reality. Yeah. I can I mean I can remember coming to your house and how difficult it was even at that time for you to have to be looking down while we were talking. I thought, oh man, that would almost drive you crazy. Uh, but you know, God was very kind. Now uh, presently, uh, do you have any vision at all in your left eye or? Yeah, so the, the right eye. Right, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I have no vision. It's essentially black. Um, and then, and so that is what it is. If you covered up your eye, that's what I see. So on one hand, I see everything clearly. I mean, one eye is enough to see clearly. But I don't have any vision, of course, over here. Um, and I don't have any depth perception up to 20 feet. Okay. Which sounds like a big deal. And, and I just it, oddly, it doesn't affect most of my daily life. Um, looking at a computer, it's flat anyway. Mm -hmm. That's what I do in my job. You know, pouring a liquid, I just maybe have to be a little more careful. Mm -hmm. um, of course.
course, if somebody's over here and they're trying to hand me something, it, it can be awkward. I've noticed so, somebody was trying to shake my hand once, and I just stood there, <laughs> and I couldn't see them. So give fair warning to our church fan. If you come up from that side and say something and you know interact with him, he might not know that you're there. But uh, well, very good. I, you've ever, you've been able to continue with your work. You can drive. Right. Uh, I you can drive. And uh, I know you can wrestle with the kids and I do all those things, <laughs> get around. So, but we rejoice in that. And I know, um, again, it wouldn't take a lot of imagination for any of us to recognize how difficult that would be. Um, you know, to we all take for granted eyesight. Uh, if we, if God has been kind to give us good sight, and to imagine what that would be like to lose partial sight. I'm sure it would be a real eye-opener that way. So, Andrew, your situation's a little bit different. Um, tell us a little bit. You, the Things went so quickly for your dad, and we certainly, I mean, he was not someone who had been a close friend of mine because we didn't really live that close together, but I had grown to love him a great deal. But tell us a little bit about that whole journey with your dad, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, so, like I said, um, my dad was a pastor there in Princeton, um, and he he'd had different um, medical issues uh, over the last few years. Um, uh, he was diagnosed as a diabetic uh, when he was a, a child, so he kind of lived with that his whole life. Um, and through that, he, he had some other issues. Uh, he actually um, had a, a kidney transplant as well as a, a pancreas transplant. So, uh, there are different times in our lives we knew um, just he had uh, medical issues kind of that were ongoing, but he, like I said, he always kind of managed his, his diabetes really well. Um, his mom was a nurse, so that, that kind of helped. Uh, he learned that from a, a young age. Um, so really, I think time frame wise, uh, probably this was uh, May or kind of spring, May 2019, um, started showing um, some, some symptoms, um, just had some digestive issues, kind of swallowing food. Um, didn't think too much about it, but, uh, you know, he meets regularly with uh, some of his doctors, and uh, they, they suggested he, he go see um, uh, some specialists, and a little bit harder to, to find a specialist uh, than, than we would have expected, so none really in Princeton, um, and, and went to a few other different places uh, to try to get that checked out, but um, didn't really have a whole lot of results um, uh, getting in to see a doctor, uh, so took a little bit of time, but um, kind of between May and probably mid-summer 2019, um, started to, to kind of have some more issues, kind of keeping food down, um, and, and really that kind of came to an, an apex probably in uh, early uh, August, I want to say, 2019. Um, finally, uh, kind of more parallels with Denny's life here, um, uh, my, I have a sister, uh, an older sister who uh, uh, is married and, and her family lives in Jonesboro, Arkansas, uh, mm -hmm. where, where Denny grew up. Um, so kind of, I, you'll probably hear some more parallels in our life there, but um, uh, she had a friend, uh, her husband, a uh, friend was, was really a doctor that my dad really needed to see. So, um, uh, you know, at a, at a point where we didn't have a whole lot of other options, um, we ended up driving him from West Virginia to Arkansas, uh, where he was, was in the hospital there, had a few different procedures, ended up having uh, some kind of exploratory surgery in his esophagus, um, and then uh, probably mid-August uh, was when we got an official diagnosis 
uh, the esophageal cancer um, there for in, the, in the hospital in, in Arkansas. Um, so, you know, obviously tough news to take um, going from, you know, relatively healthy, like yeah. I said, you know, had, had, had some issues before, um, and the Lord really blessed him in those, um, but from kind of May uh, to August, uh, when we really got a, a firm diagnosis, um, and spent some time there in Arkansas, um, again, having a few different procedures, uh, met with um, a few other doctors to kind of walk through, talk through treatment of the cancer and what some options are, um, you, know, you know, if you've ever... Uh, you've ever been diagnosed with cancer or have a loved one, um, you, you know, there are a lot of unknowns, I feel like. Um, and so every, every appointment or every meeting with a doctor, you, could, you find out more, you kind of get a little hope, you have uh, some hope taken away. And, uh, you know, through that time, I mean, there's just so much unknown. Um, and trying to, to weigh options, weigh decisions. Um, and so ultimately, uh, he was able to Another uh, a great story. Um, he got to a point where he was in Arkansas and kind of uh, exhausted all his options there, um, but really not not healthy enough to travel. Uh, as you know, it's probably a, a nine-hour, ten-hour drive. Um, and uh, through a man that he had led to the Lord uh, in Princeton um, years ago, and, and uh, that man had a connection uh, with the person that had a private plane. Mm, I remember that story. Yeah, and, uh, and the Lord worked through that uh, story, and um, that man felt compelled to, uh, you know, call up his friend, and they had, a, they had a plane that flew down to Arkansas, picked up my mom and dad, and, and flew them back to, to West Virginia, where they could, they could try to seek treatment there in Princeton. Um, and that was probably uh, mid-September, I want to say. Um, so probably spent over a, about a month there in Arkansas mm -hmm. seeking treatment and uh, staying with my sister there. So um, from there, I uh, kind of continued to progress. You know, we, we learned out, we learned it was stage four cancer mm -hmm. um, at, at that time uh, between Arkansas and Princeton. Still hoping, um, again, it, you know, if you've ever been in those meetings with doctors, you kind of know um, they don't want to give you um, time frames. They don't want to speak in times because they don't know. Um, but, you know, they, they try to uh, mold your expectations. Um, so, you know, I found at different times, you know, we had hope a couple of years or um, maybe a year with treatment and, and you know, kind of weighing those options yeah. um, until ultimately, um, you know, those, those time frames got uh, smaller and smaller. I realized that the, the cancer had spread uh, more, than, more than we thought. Um, and then um, really... It, came to a point where it's pretty much beyond um, any kind of uh, treatment that, that could take place. So um, really right there, mid-October is when uh, he, he went to be with the Lord. So kind of from, from May to October is pretty quick, um, you know, relatively healthy mm -hmm. to, to um, passing. So Yeah. Well, I know that, um, you know, not everyone has a really tight relationship with their parents, but I know you had a very close relationship with your dad. What were some of the, did, did you face any deep challenges in, in your faith, or how did you, you know, how did God help you navigate some of those days? Because I, I mean, I can remember kind of as someone on the outside looking in, you know, loving you and appreciating you and praying for your father, 
but it was kind of like, okay, there was some hope, and then boom, and it just, then it was just like every time you heard something, the news was more difficult. How did you personally deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I wouldn't say uh, it was easy by any means, um, but I mean, just kind of just knowing that uh, the Lord, you know, nothing happens outside of the will of the Father. Um, you know, it, it helped um, in not necessarily, you know, questioning, like, why is this happening, or, or what is this? I mean, we know, um, you know, my mom would always kind of say she didn't know how, you know, non-believers, <laughs> you know, dealt with things like this, or, you know, with um, with suffering and, and death in this sense, and, and, and I, I totally agree, because, you know, we might have questions, but most of those are answered through us, or mm -hmm. for us, uh, through Christ. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say I questioned necessarily, um, you know, why God was doing this. Uh, it, it didn't necessarily make it any easier, uh, kind of, you know, as we, the more we learned, you know, the kind of the reality setting in that, um, you know, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with my dad, but, you know, he, like you mentioned before, he, he, he loved spending time with my boys, um, but kind of realizing that, you know, they wouldn't be able to spend time with them, and, and at the time, Maggie was pregnant um, with our, our daughter, Emily, knowing that, um, you know, he wouldn't get to, to meet her, that, that, that kind of, that, that's what hurt the most, mm -hmm. I think that was, that was the most difficult, but like I said, um, just no, knowing that nothing happens, and that's, it's easy to say, but it's a, it is a hard truth, like knowing that mm -hmm. nothing happens outside of the will of our Father, um, like, we know God is sovereign, um, and, and that was his plan for our life, that's not the plan that we wanted necessarily, and, and, and we would choose, but, that helped. Yeah. Well, I know that many times when you lose someone, I would think particularly you with the boys and with Emily, you know, it's just a loss of a dream, something that you thought would take place, knowing what a treasure, you know, your dad was in your life, wanting him to have that kind of influence in your children's lives as well, I know would have to have been very, very difficult. Um, I know at the same time that your dad was going through that, as you mentioned, you have a sibling and a wonderful sister. She's a very godly young lady, her lady. And how did you minister to your mom through those days? I mean, she's a woman that has deep faith in God as well. But sometimes as a, as a child, ministering as an adult to an adult parent can be a real challenge of knowing what to do and you know how to go about things. Tell us a little bit about just your own your own mindset and helping your mom through those days. Right, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned my sister because I, I think it was kind of uh, it was an effort on both of our mm -hmm. parts. Yeah, you, you guys of, really worked well together. Right. I was very impressed um, with that. Yeah, I think uh, one thing I learned, um, especially going through this, uh, that everyone mourns and grieves differently. Um, I think my mom and dad were had different personalities, just um, how they uh, how they were made. Um, so, you know, my sister and I, um, you know, the way we mourn, or, or the way I mourn personally, or she does, it could be different from my mom. So, I, I mean, I think it was, um, you know, kind of the way I would want to be treated might not be the way she wanted to be treated, if that makes sense. Um, just kind of almost adapting uh, um, so that we can show my mom love, you know. It's kind of, since that time, you know, it's been kind of a, a challenging year or so. Um, my, just kind of going back a little bit, my dad was probably at the point um, getting close to retirement. Uh, he'd served in that church in Princeton uh, for 25 years, uh, and so um, 
since then, you know, it's part of my mom's uh, mourning and grief process. You know, she she was left um, in Princeton, kind of without any real family around. We're you know, here in Charleston, an hour and a half or so away. Um, so part of that, um, part of her process, you know, was um, you know she wanted to sell the house that we grew up in, which they'd kind of had plans to do uh, before. But then um, she actually moved to Arkansas, or actually mm-hmm. where, again where Denny Denny's from, grew up, and so she's close to my sister. So. Um, that's been really good for her. Uh, I know she um, mm-hmm. really enjoys that relationship, and um, it's it's been good for for I know for us to have her around family. Yeah. Um, just because uh, people, it's kind of tough, especially for both of them. You know, being in Princeton for like I said, 25 years. You know, they had uh, numerous friends in the church and the community, so it's kind of tough for her leaving that. But it was good that um, she was going to a place uh, where where my sister was, and, and that she could. Um, kind of be around here. It's been tough with uh, COVID to kind of move during that time mm-hmm. and, and uh, to get into a community um, in Arkansas, but um, but that's been good for her. Good. You know, Danny spoke about Rachel's help with him and picking up the extra load and, you know, just how a wife in, a, in the kind of relationship that God has designed a husband and wife. But one of the things that struck me in what interaction I had with you and your family as you walk through these days was just how you know Maggie ministered to you you know you were gone a lot you you served your parents really well through those times you made trips to Arkansas Uh, those someone's got to pick up the slack just like you said Rachel did and I I know that you know uh, Maggie did that maybe you can speak to that and even Maggie's parents I remember just really came along were such a blessing to, to observe and to see. Absolutely, yes. So, um, kind of like Denny, I mean, he was kind of incapacitated, but um, I, I was, I had to be gone quite a bit, so uh, during that time, you know, I was, I was back and forth between Arkansas, and, and actually, I, I remember distinctly kind of driving back there, again, I guess, some of our <laughs> connections with Denny, I, I know we talked on the phone, saw him there, kind of me sharing some of my experiences, and, and Denny sharing his mm-hmm. experiences, so I know that was helpful, but um, during that time, absolutely. Um, you know, my wife, uh, you know, she was working at the time, still is, and um, picked up that, that more um, involved role with our kids. And, and like you, you mentioned, Steve and Cindy, um, they, they pitched in as well, like I said, because I was gone uh, quite a bit. And, and even back, even when they were back in West Virginia, I was, I was going back and forth between Princeton quite a bit. Um, and, and that was tough. I think that's one thing I, I learned as well, you know. Um, I was close with my dad, and I had a, a pretty close relationship with him. But um, you know, my wife had a, a good relationship with him as yeah. well, and you know, others did. And and, and kind of, um, I think the Lord helped me see. You know, you know, I was struggling, or you know, I mean, I was hurting, um, but but I wasn't the only one. You know, right. other people were were pouring into me, but you know, they had they were experiencing similar uh, yeah. loss at the same time, and, and yeah. um, it didn't make it any easier for them. I guess I would say. Right. Well, I, like I said, I've just appreciated, you know, I think sometimes when we step into marriage and you're young, you don't really think of, and it's impossible to do that, you don't think of all the parameters, but when God has in kindness given you a mate that lives life with you, shares your grief and sorrow and the struggles you go through, what, what a treasure that is to any man's life. I know Becky has been that way to me, and so that's a... A tremendous joy and sometimes you know uh, 
a spouse will resent the giving up of time that way and the difficulty that it is. And uh, I've just, you know, I was very moved by both of your wives walking through those situations with you and want to thank the Lord. What do you feel was one of the great lessons that God taught you through this? Was there anything that you can identify or just kind of the whole experience? Uh, was there something the Lord really placed on your heart that maybe you could share with someone else or just your growth process in walking through that time with your dad and mom? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just kind of the overall process. Um, I think to that point, you know, I hadn't really experienced a lot of call tragedy or, or um, overall loss you know I you know lost uh, grandparents and, and some other friends and family along the way but um, nothing really that close um, uh, to me personally um, so you know kind of going back through that time if you remember this was uh, kind of uh, like I said summer fall 2019 so um, sermon series we were going through Hebrews and you know oh, I feel wow. like a, a lot of that sermon series was uh, talking about suffering, uh, and, you know, as Christians and walking through that. So, more than one Sunday, I mean, I felt like um, the the sermon was directed at, at me personally. But um, you know, I feel like it, that was that was definitely helpful for my heart, just kind of walking through that time. Um, and and I, it was almost like a is one of the life experiences that you don't necessarily want to have. Um, so you know, you know, I've heard of others kind of walking through. Um, just different diagnosis with cancer and with other illness. Um, I can kind of, I can relate. I, I don't want to relate. I don't think anybody wants to necessarily walk through that, but, uh, you know, I can, can kind of distinctly remember um, just almost the uncertainty that uh, we have in, in doctors. We know that they're looking out for us mm -hmm. and that they are, um, you know, they're doing their best to help us, but uh, ultimately, you know, God's going to be in control of not only that situation, but, uh, you know, our bodies. I think our bodies physically, um, because of the fall, are, are going to give out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, you know, we've had an unusual amount of cancer in our church family. Certainly we lost Brother Sean, which was a deep uh, loss. But I think, you know, what you say, everyone kind of process th processes things a little bit different, but there's normally big truths that God teaches us and if nothing else walking through that when another family's going through it you kind of know a little bit about what they're experiencing the heartache and the ups and downs you have hope and then that hope is dashed and you know you you hear of other people maybe experiencing a, a an outcome that's more positive in our thinking than what you're getting and uh, it is a struggle. I mean, it's difficult to walk through there. Uh, my mother passed away of cancer, and I can remember she was older than your dad uh, when she went to be with the Lord. But still, that whole process could be a really difficult thing. So I appreciate you sharing that. Denny, anything that kind of resides in your mind that you maybe have shared with others who are going through some difficult things that the Lord impressed upon your heart and you're able to say, man, God, God really sustained me with this truth or this passage or this thought. Let me just share it with you and maybe the Lord would use it in your life as well. Yeah, definitely there were um, some of the things that I think God was teaching me there. there I wrote this, I don't remember if I was reading this at the time or Bible, but it's Isaiah 48, 10 through 11, and, and maybe someone shared it with me, but it says, Behold, 
extending it to myself. Yeah. Um, God refines us through these trials. And so I constantly was trying to think of what God could be teaching me. And, mm-hmm. of course, you don't want to overthink that um, <laughs> and try to misapply maybe a meaning. Well, God you are an engineer. Right. So. <laughs> so that's a temptation. Um, but there's some pretty clear and basic truths in Scripture, and it's just that God cares about um, refining us, I mean, and making us more like himself, more holy. So I constantly thought about, you know, my life exam I had time to examine, you know, sin in my life that's it's always there and then how might I, you know, correct that and what can I do differently and I have a lot of time to reflect and so um, one thing I thought that God was teaching me, at least kinda like Andrew, I have not you know, my life physically I've never really had a problem. I mean mm-hmm. I'm not, it's hard to sympathize with other to who go through something because and my wife and I talk about this a lot because I just don't have there's hardly anything wrong with me physically um, so I think I learned I hope and I'm trying to still apply this how to sympathize and understand Amen. Um, what others are going through that's no small thing really no and it, even now it's not I have to constantly remind myself of what it, it was like yeah. and, and what I went through because it, it, now it's almost like a blur you know, <laughs> now it's hard to there were a lot of ups and downs mm-hmm. like you said and, and I, I did write a lot of my thoughts down during that time because I had a lot of free time I wasn't allowed to read but I tried to write um, to remember what Good. I was thinking, what verses I was reading, what sermon I listened to, um, so I can always go back and read it. And as I was preparing for this, I was mm-hmm. reading it again, and I noticed that, wow, there were a lot of emotions going on. Um, so I hope that now I can be more sympathetic like Christ is with us. Amen. You know, so. It is interesting. I know as, you know, I'm older, I'm probably just a little older than your dad. I know we were real close in age. Um, but, you know, as you live life and, and you go through various experiences, it is many times the very things that God has taught you that he will use in your life to encourage a brother and sister in Christ. And so I know you men will be good about sharing that. And it is important. It isn't like, you know, we keep those hidden. We, we want to share. Those are treasures to be shared. So, Andrew, any parting words? I see you open your Bible. I don't know if there was a passage of Scripture that was in your mind or not. but No, I'm just thinking through my dad. I know, like you said, a, a lot of people, or some of the men got to meet him mm-hmm. uh, and know him through um, the, the men's breakfast. Yeah. My kids loved it, and they called it kids' breakfast. He was pretty faithful. And, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was pretty faithful in coming, um, coming driving up from Princeton to that, so he did get to, to mm-hmm. kind of meet you all. But as a pastor, you know, didn't really have a opportunity to build a relationship mm-hmm. uh, by, by coming to church uh, because he was um, usually busy on Sundays. Um, but no, just thinking through him and his ministry, you know, um, I, I was the way I think of him, um, you know, he, he never met a stranger. You know, he always had this, you know, evangelical mindset. Um, and I was looking here in Corinthians, First so Corinthians 9, and, and the way that Paul talks about um, becoming a Jew to the Jews so yeah. he might win the Jews, or becoming weak to the weak that he might um, win the weak. That's kind of how I thought of my dad. You know, he said he became um, all things to all. Uh, let's see. Yeah. He became all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Yeah. That's kind of how I, I um, always envision my dad. You know, he, like I said, he always saw the good in people uh, yeah. and, and never met a stranger. He was, he was always focused on um, relating to them, building a relationship that he might share the gospel. And, Amen. And, you know, obviously, that's something um, that he's taught and, and will miss. But. Amen. Well, 
great memories. Uh, you know, I'm sure your dad had an enormous impact in your life, and which will impact even though your boys won't directly benefit from that, they certainly will directly benefit from you and he's poured his life into. Well, brothers, thank you for joining me today. I trust it was a blessing to our Randolph Street family that you found this interview to be helpful. I'm sure many of you could identify with various things that both Andrew and Denny spoke about. Thank you for your ministry to our church and our diaconate and our eldership, and uh, you've just been a tremendous blessing to Randolph Street. We look forward to many days ahead by God's grace. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much. This has been such a good day, a rich day where we have feasted upon your grace. We have learned more about you. We recognize your kindness in us. And Lord, thank you for your work in our lives and saving us. I thank you for these two brothers, and even though their experiences are somewhat different, uh, the consistency is how you minister to them. Thank you for their families. Thank you for their wives. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon them as they continue to guide and direct their, uh, their families. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen our church. Might we be a people that truly exalt your name.